I'm your host, Sarah Boss, and welcome to Attainable Podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Attainable Podcast. Welcome if you're new here. Um, I'm your host, Sarah Boss. If you are new here, if you're not, hello. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, welcome coming off of the 100th episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was a long one. It was a fun uh, three-part segment. If you have not listened to it, 100% go listen to it. Um, I'm still kind of like riding the high of like a hundred episodes, um, which is just insane to me that we have reached a hundred episodes and now we're on 101. And for this episode, I have a very special guest. I'm super, super excited about this conversation. It's something that I don't really have a lot of knowledge about. Um, and there's a lot of kind of stigma around. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about therapy. We've had conversations about therapy before, but I'm bringing on uh, Tanya Kolesnik, who is a professional in group therapy. And she's going to talk about her experience um, and then her experience with her work as well. She is a psychotherapist, got her master's degree at New York University after group therapy changed her life. Um, So I'm very interested to hear the story. I know that you guys will absolutely love this interview. Um, Tanya, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah. Um, can you give a little snippet about um, who you are, what you do, and kind of what got you there? Yeah. So um, like you touched on, I got my um, master's degree from NYU, became a psychotherapist 27 years ago, and have been doing that work for a long time. I did not start out as a psychotherapist. I started out as a graphic designer and group therapy changed my life. And I dedicated my life to helping others have transformational experiences. And then I've gone back and forth between working for myself, working for other people. And very recently, this past January, 2022, I'm really honoring my heart with the group therapy focus. always done group therapy, but I've done usually individual therapy with group in addition to that. And I'm flipping that now because in all the years that I've practiced this work, I have seen how powerful group and healing and connecting to other people with your inner worlds with each other, how powerful that can be for transformation. So really prioritizing group as my primary work and then individual is to support that work as it unfolds. Awesome. Um, I, I've got some questions about group therapy and um, I'm very fascinated by, by this topic because it's just something that I don't have experience in. And I think that uh, therapy is something that already has stigma around it. And I am so, so grateful that that is something that I think this generation is sort of debunking. And um, now literally everybody goes to therapy. My therapist is coming to my wedding. So like it's very normal, but I think group therapy is still something that we're kind of, I, I think is working up its way um, into that channel. How does group therapy differ from one-on-one as far as like benefits and that kind of experience? There's so many different things that group therapy can do that individual therapy can't do because you have other people on their journeys at the same time. So things like really showing you that you're not alone, you can know that intellectually, but in a group, when you see somebody 
working through something that really resonates for you or that you have a similar struggle with, or even if the struggle itself is not similar, but you see somebody really putting their heart out there and being vulnerable and growing from that, it can be so inspiring and you can really feel not alone. So that's one. Um, I, I think to, I know for myself, when I went to group therapy, I went into it feeling very flawed and being able to be in this process with other humans, kind of feeling flawed themselves and struggling with their own insecurities and being able to see how amazing these people were as they were talking about some of their insecurities. I think there's something about helping you know that you're not flawed and realizing, for me, I realized, oh, okay, this is like a human thing. So many of us struggle with that. So I think that can be really powerful. It can touch on unconscious stuff. So if you're in a group situation and somebody's talking about something you wouldn't necessarily have brought into your individual therapy session because you weren't thinking about it, but somebody's talking about something that hits you in a deep place and really resonates, it can help you start to uncover some things that you weren't even consciously going towards. So that can be really helpful. And people in group also remind each other of people in their lives outside of group. So sometimes if there's something you're trying to work through, maybe you have a critical mother, for example, and somebody in group is coming across being critical and you're uncomfortable with that and getting triggered by that. It's an opportunity to start having some of those conversations in group before you bring it outside of group, if that's even where you're going to go. But it can be very healing to have those conversations inside of group first. Yeah. Um do you mind sharing, and, and you don't have to share uh, details of your personal experience as far as what um, caused you to go to therapy or um, take that step, but uh, what was your personal journey like in choosing to uh, go to group therapy? Yeah, um, I don't mind sharing it all, part for a couple of reasons. One, I made a little documentary of it. It's only 10 minutes long of this very story, and it's on my website, Um so I'll share that story. And then the other thing is, is I really believe the more we can have these kinds of vulnerable human conversations, the better for our world it's going to be. Like what you were touching on earlier about therapy having a little less stigma now than it did previously is so helpful and important, I think, as we continue to grow. So for me, I was struggling with having a long-term love relationship. I was in my 20s. I really didn't understand what was in the way for me. And I was not originally open to the idea of therapy. In my mind, that was for people with, and I'm going to put that in air quotes, real problems. And I felt- Oh my like gosh, I think that's such like a, that's a, like every, I feel like everybody has this thought of like, my problem isn't bad enough to go. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I felt that way for a long time. I actually, before I started even exploring therapy as a real option, at the time I smoked cigarettes and I was not thrilled with that habit. And my gym offered this quit smoking program. And I did that first, which ended up being sort of like group therapy in a therapist's office. 
and it worked and I quit smoking and, you know, it's been over 30 years now that I haven't smoked, but that was kind of like getting my toe in there and realizing, okay, this actually feels good to be in this kind of space. So from that, I felt safe enough to explore therapy. My parents had been to couples therapy at the time and I asked them if they could get some names for me and they did and I made a few phone calls and so I got connected with my first therapist, Bonnie. And so she and I, right away when we started working together, I felt very supported, understood, not flawed, and that was an amazing beginning experience. And then she suggested I go to group therapy, which terrified me. And the idea of it, I mean, I guess I was intrigued, to be honest. I was intrigued. I had done this other group situation with the smoking, but this felt much more vulnerable. So it really scared me. But I trusted her. And that trust piece was really important. I wouldn't have done it had I not had this really good connection with her. And so, that got me started with it and started to explore some of what might have been in the way for me as I was struggling through this part of my life. Do you remember what your first um, group therapy session felt like? I do. <laughs> oh my God. It was, first of all, we all kind of gathered in the waiting room. And so when we gathered in the waiting room everybody else clearly knew each other I didn't know anybody and so they're kind of chatting with each other and I felt so uncomfortable and very awkward and nobody really acknowledged me and so I uh, was trying to figure out if I could leave before group started but I didn't so we went in and into the room and this was New York City and it was a very small room for a lot of people and she strategically had placed all these chairs around and um, I had seen her individually in that very same room so it was a room I was already familiar with I had a favorite seat but that seat was taken so I took another seat and this is not how I run my groups, but she did not introduce me. And so when she did not introduce me to the other people, I, first of all, I was shocked. I'd never gone into a situation like that without being introduced as sort of a way in. And so I was sitting quietly in my seat, not quite sure what to do, feeling really afraid and felt difficult to jump in. Towards the end, she did finally say, Tanya, why are you being so quiet? And so at that point, I did introduce myself to the group. And everybody was lovely, but it was like they hadn't even seen me before then. So it, it was not the easiest entrance into it. And I did get a sense that she was helping me own my voice, put myself out there by not introducing me, but it was definitely difficult. But the rapport between the group members was very appealing. Seeing them support each other and talk about certain things, definitely wanted to be in that. That was something that um, I, I think it connected to something that seemed to really make sense to me to be a part of that. Yeah, that I was going to say, then how did you manage to go back? But if you're watching these interactions and it's something where it's, it's kind of like, okay, I want to get there, um, then 
I could see how you would be compelled to stay. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, I did a combination of group and individual. So after I had a group situation, I usually had a chance, not after every single one, but at, certainly after the first one, I had a chance to process with Bonnie, um, the therapist, about what did come up for me. And so being able to process was very reassuring and would help me see why these steps are powerful, what would be helpful about it. So I was able to kind of go to the next step. Yeah. Um, so with, with your um, uh, somebody that you're recommending for group therapy, I'm sure you've had to nudge a lot of people in that direction. Um, and it's probably not easy. I'm thinking about how hard it is to, when I've had conversations with loved ones to even consider like just one-on-one because of the same thing, like it's not that bad. I'll do that. If I'm still having this problem this many years from now, I don't think that my problem is at a place where I need to go. I don't think it will work, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking adding group therapy into that, which I think that the movies and everything, you know, um, the people probably think of the weird like AA meetings that they see on TV and it's everybody just gathered in a circle and very uncomfortable how it's portrayed anyway. Um, how have you, how have you uh, flipped that narrative for people um, and encourage them to go when they are feeling that kind of discomfort and re- reluctance? Yeah, I mean, that process has been a struggle in my work. I think people, there is a lot of resistance. I think the things that people feel, the vulnerability piece, I think people are worried about sharing the journey that they've been talking to me about with people. And they always say with strangers, well, they don't stay strangers for long, but yes, with strangers. And I think also people are worried that their time is going to be cut short and that they're not going to be able to address what they want to be addressing in therapy in the group situation. So my trust with clients is an important part of this process um, or their trust in me rather is an important part of this process so that at some point there is a bit of a leap of faith with it and i've had clients that resist 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 and once they're in it and they start to engage in that process they're like okay i get it now and there's always a chuckle amongst group members because they always laugh at, oh yeah, Tanya suggested I do this. Tanya pushed me to really give this a chance, that kind of thing. So it definitely takes a lot of encouragement. And I remember when I was in group as well, we had the same, we all used to tease Bonnie as well with how much she encouraged us all to do group. But part of the motivation for me to make this documentary is for people to get a sense of my own journey, why it's important, why it's powerful, because it's different than individual. You are going to get something from group that you're not going to be able to get from individual. And so, and also this is part of why I'm doing podcast guesting, because I want to help people understand this, that it's, it's going to offer you something special. Yeah, no, I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. And and as you're talking about your experience, it um I, I feel like I can feel how different that experience is and understand a little bit more. 
on what more you can get from that. And, um, having that it, I thought it was so fun. You saying like you all teased, teased Bonnie and it, that really pictured or helped me picture the dynamic of what a group would be like. Um, and that felt a lot more approachable mm-hmm. and like, Oh, this, you know what I mean? Like just trying oh. to picture how you guys interacted and how you interacted with the therapist and, um, that sort of group nature and the support there. Um, as soon as you said that I was like, it felt like it clicked. I was like, Oh, this, this, I understand. And I would almost venture to say, once you got there, group might be easier than one-on-one, um, for some people, maybe not everybody, but I'm, I'm also saying that as, and my followers know this raging extrovert, raging extrovert. So that's one, probably 100% a biased opinion, but I could see that being an experience that would be, um, transformative faster for me for um something that'd be easier to talk to with like more people around to be there and to resonate and encourage and that kind of thing um so I think you're doing a great job as far as spreading the message thank you yeah it's funny what you were saying too about being a massive extrovert because I think what happens also in group I didn't touch on this earlier is everybody's got their stuff of course that they need to work through and it plays out in group, there's some experiential stuff. So if you're a massive extrovert, for example, but it's harder for you to get to the more vulnerable places, that becomes, um, we get transparent about some of that. And we can say, okay, this part I know is easy for you. What What's underneath that? And we can support each other through whatever journeys we've started to identify with each other. Um, But I love what you were calling out about the Bonnie thing. Yeah, there's definitely like this family feel, the group gets cohesive and people really connect to each other in a very um, intimate, but the the connection really does come together. I can, yeah, I can only imagine what that type of connection would be. I'm thinking of like, when you come home from camp and you've only been there for three days, but you feel like these people know you inside and out, you've experienced, you know, late nights and marshmallows in your hair and, you know, just this bonding thing that nobody else will really understand the type of connection that you would have with these people. And yeah, that kind of family like orientation and they would understand how you communicate, they'd understand the things that you're working on and be able to communicate to that, know you so much better for that, um, and help you through that journey. I'm like, that would be so I think helpful and encouraging for, to be able to share that with other people. Totally. I love that camp analogy and yeah. And we, know what people are working on so that each time somebody takes a step, we celebrate those steps. And often some of the group members catch a step even before I do and might say, that's huge what you just did. And we all will celebrate movement together, celebrate somebody speaking up together, whatever it might be as we get to know each other's journeys. Oh my God. That's just so sweet. We're going to cry. Like I can just imagine. Um, okay. As far as, um, 
your your work and how you approach uh, therapy and these experiences, um, you speak a lot about living in alignment. Can you dig into exactly what that means? Especially when I feel like alignment is like one of those words that gets tossed down with like gurus and things. Um, and so I always like to kind of smash those and say, okay, what does this mean practically if we're not using fancy words? Yeah. So living in alignment to me is really starting to learn what's inside of you, which is not an easy journey because it, it changes at different times in your life, even day to day, there might be something true for you one day that's not true for you another day. So it's things like knowing what kind of rest do you need? What's depleting for you? I know you said you're a massive extrovert. I'm on the more introverted side. So when I do things, even like being a guest on a podcast, I need some time to rest during the day so that I can just get my energy back up because it just does take some energy from me. Um, so that kind of thing, knowing if you're a creative person, for example, but you're not really honoring that need for creativity, that can feel very stifled, or you can feel like you're missing something in your life. If there are dreams that you have that you push down because you're trying to take care of everybody else first, that can be something that interferes with alignment. So it's, it is tricky to explain because there's definitely like this gray area of trying to put your finger on it. But if you stay in that sort of questioning and checking in with yourself on a regular basis and doing the best you can to say, okay, this is what I need today, or this is what I need in my life in a bigger way. And in fact, me leading with a group practice is an example of me being in better alignment because I changed my whole career for that reason, but then followed this other path that just seemed like a more natural flow because leading with group was not necessarily the way I learned from other people. It was just what, where my heart was. And so honoring that is an example of me getting into better alignment and being in a process of honoring that there's some discomfort connected to that. So in alignment doesn't mean ease, but it means having a sense of what are your needs? Where are you headed? Being intentional about things and making some of those choices so that your outside world is honoring what your inside world is. No, that makes so much sense. And I almost feel like um, I definitely use this word just in life way too much. I don't know how I apply it to everything hacking like hacks I feel like it's like life hacking and it's you you know when you start on these journeys it is uncomfortable and it is very difficult but to get to the other side it's like in all these areas of your life maybe it's your career your love life um your uh, relationship with yourself how you um how you have fun how you fulfill yourself like all these type of things like you're it's like you're swimming upstream and then if you like you work on these kind of pieces like one by one and then all of a sudden you start to like see where things flow see how to make things easier see how you work so that you can go downstream more float with things and realize oh like this is kind of the natural way I, I go about things. This is how I work best. This is how my energy goes up, my energy goes down and working with it makes 
everything get easier. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of one by one going along these streams saying, okay, let's turn around a little bit. Let's turn around. And then everything kind of flows much easier. And I think that even relates to when people are talking about like manifesting and um, all, you know, all that kind of stuff where they're like attracting things. I really, I think really a lot of that is just learning about yourself and turning yourself downstream again. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you just said about turning yourself downstream again, because it does require coming back to it again and again. It's not like, oh, you figure it out smooth sailing. It's like, okay, you figure some things out and then you find yourself in an uncomfortable place. And you're like, oh, wait, wait, what do I need? And the more you've checked in about that, the more the answers can come to you fairly easily. But it's a very, I think, intentional, deliberate, oh, wait, yes, I need this. And not always after the fact. Sometimes it's beforehand. I think one thing that I was talking about recently in terms of protecting energy, I've split up my client days with my creative days so that I do creativity on a day without clients and then clients on a day on their own, just because energetically I need different things on those days. And I want to be fully present for both parts of that, of my life with that. So sometimes you can figure it out beforehand and it's in place and it really helps. And sometimes you're like, Ooh, right. I overdid it again today. And now I need to adjust because I wasn't thinking of it beforehand. Yeah. I I've done it myself where I get very frustrated because of having to, I'm like, why am I here again? Like why I feel like I already conquered this, but not, it's not necessarily like going up a hill and then coming back the other side and you're like, amazing, cured, never going to have that problem again. But it's a, a practice of saying, I'm going to get better and better and better at realigning myself and, and recognizing these tendencies and recognizing, um, what I do that then kind of sets me back. Um, you, so you talked about energy, protecting your energy. You said a little bit about energy levels, um, mentioning, mentioning how you structured your work around your energy. Can you talk a little bit about that and how somebody goes about doing that? Yeah, I, I think, I think people don't give their energy enough um, support. I find a lot with my clients that there are some dreams that they have, some things that they want for their lives, but there is this feeling of like, but I have to take care of my kids first, or I have to be there for my spouse first, or I have to finish this work for it first. And they get so depleted by the time they're done with their day or their week or whatever, they're not getting to themselves. And so to help people figure out what are the boundaries you need with certain things in your life, people that are depleting to make sure that you don't end up kind of creating this energy in your life that feels toxic. So to pay attention to that, to cut off what you say yes to. I think people struggle a lot with saying no and learning which are the yeses you really own and want to honor and which are the no's, uncomfortable or not, that you want to start saying and to help people start to practice some of that. Because I think sometimes the idea of saying no to somebody is so uncomfortable that they don't want to go there. But if they don't start figuring out what kind of boundaries they need to put in place, then they're not going to be able to give themselves a different 
way of living throughout their days. So I think starting to identify what's even depleting you. No, I, and I, I agree because especially with the no thing. Um, and a lot of times, and this is what I have to remind myself when I feel my, myself, um, leaning towards not like trying to say yes, when I really, I know it's a no. Um, I always end up disappointing both myself and them in the end, because it's usually a, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Oh yeah. I definitely want to do that. Knowing, knowing I don't want to do that, knowing that's not going to be good for me, knowing I'm probably with my schedule, I'm very busy, probably that it will fall through and I'll end up having to send a text saying, Hey, I'm sorry. It didn't work out, whatever. And that is worse than just saying, Hey, can't this time, but let's catch up later. Hey, can't this time, whatever. And all that kind of stuff. And I have to remind myself of that. I'm like, we would rather do that. You will feel so much better than having to send the text. That's like, no kidding, do it. Sorry, this didn't work out. And basically like flaking, which I hate. It's a tendency of not, not much anymore. Um, but that's something that I'm very aware of. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. And, and when I am a yes woman, I end up being that person when it's the exact thing that I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think trying to learn how to use language so you don't promise things that don't work for you. And sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we say yes to something, but then when you get to that space, you're like, oh, now I don't have the energy. So struggling to change your mind can be tricky. And sometimes if you've said yes and you go anyway, that can be a very negative experience because all you want to do is go home or all you're distracted. You're not present. It's, it's not fair to anybody really for you to be showing up in that way. So finding ways. And I think language is so powerful and helpful to talk about what might be a maybe even. And so for me, one of the things that I learned early on also with my energy or a while ago is my husband and I live away from where our families live. And there was a period of time when we had a lot of visitors, people wanted to visit. And I learned I can't have two weekends in a row of visitors. I really need a weekend in between. Yeah. And so I made that clear. I feel that so hard. I feel that so hard. Oh God. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I taught people like, Oh, that's tough for me. They stopped they kind of went into planning a time saying, I know that you don't want to do two weekends in a row. So where's your schedule at? People get more sensitive to what my needs are because I'm teaching them what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a good tip. We've definitely, we've had to do that before. And Joseph and I, um, that's my fiance. We'll have conversations. Um, and we'll come off of like two weeks of straight crazy and look at each other and we're like, okay, we probably should not have, have committed to both of those. Yeah. Probably could have done that better. (laughs) And we know, we know, you know, when, um, even when we're planning, we're like, this, this might be, it'll be a little busy, but it'll be fine. And we end up, we're like, that was not fine. We are not fine. Um, so I, I 100% relate to that. Um, for anyone who is is feeling really stuck in where they're at and maybe they really resonated with finding um, or aligning with their energy levels or just 
aligning their life or they are really working through something hard um, and they're not sure what to do, what advice do you have for them to start taking steps to making the changes that they want? That can look like so many different things. I think the first thing I would say to that is a little bit can go a long way in terms of taking 10 minutes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So like 10 minutes of self-care to reflect can make a difference. Journaling for 10 minutes can make a difference. I think there's a lot of very positive communities out there where you can connect like there's, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the holistic psychologist. No. She's got like millions of followers, but she's got this great Instagram page where she explains concepts and that's really helpful. And she has these communities that she opens up for membership here and there, and it's not very expensive. And you can be a part of these groups that are personal growth related. So that could be a good way to start dig your toe, you know, dip your toe in, see whether or not you're in being in that process feels healing. And then like, I have a, an Instagram page where I offer uh, mental health tips, that kind of thing. So that could be a start, but I don't think it's, it's certainly not, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, not a replacement for doing some of the deeper work. If that's where it feels like you need to go. I think checking in. I have a free um, discovery session that I offer for people that are considering groups. So even setting that up, having a chance to chat with me one-on-one, I can offer suggestions, that kind of thing of how group can help whoever might be interested specifically. So there's just so many different beginning ways, but I would say to hold on to this idea that a little goes a long way and being very intentional about I'm on this journey for myself. I need to learn more about myself. I want to connect to myself. So finding ways to catch your breath and just start learning what comes up inside of you as you're going through your life. That's so good. Cause I feel like a lot of times we feel like it has to be these grand gestures or these grand movements or, or a new lifestyle change. And, and it's just little things day by day. And if you expect it to be large things, you will end up being disappointed. Um, and usually somehow like falling backwards a little bit because you think that you're not quote performing or, or doing good or whatever that is. Um, so I think that's, that's so smart and so super helpful, no matter what that first step is. This has been super informative and extremely encouraging. I was you know, I was really interested to bring you on as somebody who I saw group therapy and I think everybody does this. I was like, oh, uh, I said, mm, I don't know about that one, chief. I don't know about it, about that. But um, I, I, I uh, love talking to you. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I think this is something that's really important. Um, and something that I should learn. And then wanted to share with them. So um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Sarah. I've loved our conversation. I'm so glad. Uh, if people are listening, they want to learn more about you, watch documentary, get connected with you, follow you, all that kind of stuff. Where can people find you? They can um, find my website with group with Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A will bring you there. And then there's a button to watch my documentary or schedule. You can schedule your own discovery session with me and stay tuned. I'm sort of creating more, putting some packages together and that's coming soon. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to share it, put it on your Instagram stories. We love, love, love seeing you guys tag us in there and we can like write to you back. And it's a really fun time. Um, if you loved it, go on Spotify or Apple podcast, whatever you're listening to rate and review, you can only rate on Spotify, but you can leave a very nice review on Apple podcasts and we're friends. So that's exactly what friends do. That'd be a really nice thing to do. And if you loved hearing from Tanya, you can hear even more from her on her documentary and on her website follow her on her socials and uh, connect with her if that's something that feels right to you i am so so glad you're listening i hope you have a fantastic week and i will see you guys next time bye